0: This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi.
1: I'm Taylor
0: Drury from Drury Outdoors.
2: Hey, this is Nick
0: But from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Butman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class
1: bow hunter
2: podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast from Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in.
3: really really not
1: that good episode number 120 of the finest bow hunting podcast that's ever been recorded in Sherrard, illinois this is the working class bow hunter podcast right here in the aforementioned Sherrard, illinois we are at 1600 bucks layer place right here in the buckatorium as most of the time i'm steve don't know who i'd be otherwise in the studio kurt and eric Hello, hello. What's going on, fellas?
0: Oh, trying to wind down from the hustle and bustle, man. We've been busy. I feel like I haven't hunted in like a year, which is not true, but it feels like that long. Just I
4: haven't since uh, November.
0: I don't have a daylight picture in my timber since opening day of shotgun season. Oh, I haven't what, even checked mine
4: since shotgun season started. Whoa. So what? Two weeks? Well, you're you're
0: two a little weeks. different situation yeah. with uh, with Iowa. Yep. Only in Iowa. Only in Iowa. <laughs> Only in Iowa, bro. Man, yeah. We came back from HHA. It was the last episode. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was actually at, I was going to say at the HHA studio. <laughs> yeah. But it, uh, <laughs> technically it was. Technically it was, yeah. Um, that is,
1: it's so gorgeous up there, man. It, it's a really it cool. It is beautiful We're, country up there. You know, I mean, from just going from Mercer County up there to where it's just nothing but pines and things like that, man. It's it's cool.
0: Um, And then we also have another episode coming with HHA, and we can't really say what's in that episode, but if you're...
4: You a don't fan, want to miss it, let's say that. Yeah, if
0: you're a fan of HHA or you're just curious about new opportunities, you might want to tune in. Um, that's all I'll say for that. But So just keep an eye out for that one. Um, but this episode is brought to you by HHA Sports. Um, Scott, everyone at the
4: – Big thanks to Scott, too, for letting us come up there. And I, out with I, him I all love weekend. that
0: guy. We even went to his – family christmas party
1: and uh <laughs> i don't think yeah, he regretted it he told it. us
4: there was like one guy there and we end up showing up there and there's a whole party yeah going on. and it was like
1: a really everybody was you know dressed up for the holidays here i come with a 12 pack of bush latte and a red dog tall boy <laughs>
4: <laughs> classy is all we are boys that's yep, yeah, all i know we know. Uh, met boy. a lot of good people up there a lot of long. good people we had
1: a lot yeah a lot of young talent up there kids who are going after the hunt and just some fantastic human beings man I, I i had a blast and people actually didn't get to know the real me so they liked me so that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: the podcast is also also brought to you by uh scent crusher uh dot com. they basically have changed the way one the way we organize and store our hunting clothes and yes. gear uh with the closet put all your gear in there it's got all the racks everything you need to hang it up and um, you can power it on the ozone. You can set a timer, you know, up to 30 minutes and the ozone treatment, if you will, for your clothing and gear. And then all the way to the gear bag, which is like a duffel bag with the ozone unit attached to it with a car adapter and a regular wall outlet yeah. adapter. And all the way in your vehicle with the ozone go that plugs into your car's uh I was, is it even called a cigarette lighter anymore? No, nope. you can't
1: call it that nope. since uh, they got cigarettes banned from mass marketing. Which, by the way, we should hit up Philip Morris and see if they'll. <laughs> I mean, an and episode. they have
4: <laughs> stuff even to your washing machine. There's a unit that the O3 unit. Yep, what, and no. for your boots, you know, like a dryer equipment station. It's called. You put your boots on there, gloves or hat or anything. Steve, you need that.
1: I know. I oh, need for that. Your boots. For sure, need that. Set them um, off. Game on, man. That's right. Speaking of game. Wild game meat, if you got it, take it to Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing Delish. right there in fantastic Viola, Illinois. And I'll tell you what, I picked up my uh, my deer that I shot, and uh, I got that deer turned into uh, Italian meatloaf. And um, boy, I wish I would have shot a second one that night because that Italian meatloaf is so
0: good. I had a regular meatloaf last night for dinner, and I was talking to you on the phone, you're like, oh, yeah. Got the meatloaf in. I'm like, oh man, I got one thought. I'm throwing one in right now.
1: Yeah, you're like, you're like, what, what did you cook it to? I'm like, uh, I did 350 in an hour. Up, yep. Oh, yep. Preheating right now It was perfect.
4: I got work oh. to do. I haven't shot anything yet. Eric,
0: man, the the time is now. Our buddy know, Ross just killed a stud a couple of days ago. Drop time buck here in Illinois. So
4: busy, more yeah. with the holiday stuff coming up, and but I, need I know it. I need to do it. It's, it's tough, man. It's no tough
0: time of the year. It's tough. The weather's breaking. It's not negative 15 in Illinois anymore, which. You know, it's... Dude, it's supposed to be like 49 this weekend. I know, but people are going to say you want cold weather for late season hunting. Other guys, you know, it's just bearable. You can go and sit and just enjoy the last few weeks of the season.
4: Dorothy 2.0 said 40 degrees today. What? What
0: the hell is Dorothy 2.0? That's 2.0. my weather station I just put in. Oh, really? Yeah.
4: It's awesome. <laughs> I saw that post. It does it really have wind good. direction and stuff like yep. that? It does? Really? Wind speed, direction. It'll give you barometric pressure.
0: Does it give you your scent cone? No, it doesn't give you no, that. No, well... <laughs>
4: Wind direction, that's your scent code, That's a much. good
0: tip, man. Uh you didn't really even give it as a tip, but I'm gonna turn yeah. it into one. I have a weather station, but it's not that detailed.
4: It's a little unit you hang outside your house and it's got a little thing that spins and I wish it will give you the rain how much rain we get. I've
1: always said I wish I could like set one up to like Wi Fi like right out at your property. You know, and have <laughs> it so like you can look <laughs> it's a great idea. what it is exactly
4: at your property. Just yeah, hang yeah. one in every stand. That's <laughs> an idea. That's an invention there. There you go. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Hey. Yeah, don't, don't give, don't give all. <laughs>
1: coming <the way>. soon <laughs> on the
0: WorkingClassBowhunter dot com store.
4: Weather station in your
0: stand. Hey, you know you put it's that coming, away. man. That will be out. You Mark take that idea. Words. You take
4: that idea and you put it away,
1: and you've got many pockets to put it on your badlands. Right. Hey guys, packs. don't tell anyone
4: about that. All right, is that our secret? Yeah, it is. That is. Okay. You heard it here first. You guys, But what's not a secret? Everyone, is listen. Is don't tell anyone. Steve's either. transition here. I, yeah, is.
1: I am. What's not a secret is how many pockets you can get on a badlands pack. Ooh. Um, I've got my eyeball on one that. Um, I'm fixing to get me here pretty soon. I got to I got to mess around with one, and it was like no zippers; it was all magnets. And I'm like, as loud as I am, like huffing and puffing after I get up the, you know, up the tree. I'm like, man, I got I got to eliminate zipper noise. When this one has magnets.
4: <laughs> That's what you're worried so about. So I'm think, Yeah, because when I open
1: my nutter butters, you know, I'm
0: yeah, good thing <laughs> you, you already is. velcroed your shoes up and you're ready to rock. Right. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> hey, would you, Steve, will you hand me a sto- uh, soda, please?
1: Oh yeah, you want one of those? Uh, yeah. uh, yeah, one of these kid
0: beverages here. One of those
1: banquet sodas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's make that transition from uh, drinking to uh, our vet shout-out of the week. It's uh, this cat on Instagram. I've been following this dude. Um, his name's Brad Iverson. His name's the Brad of all Brads. And if you don't follow this dude's Instagram, that's what it is, the Brad of all Brads. Highly suggest you do. This dude's super funny. Um, John Dudley just uh, shared one of his videos, and I think we'll have to post that up. <laughs> It was something he did. He's like it it's like he goes to Hoyt.com and he's like, Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's like rubbing wax all right, you just got you gotta watch it. Um but he's a he's a United States Marine Corps vet. So thank you for your service. Thank you for all that you do for this country, and then you make me laugh. So that puts you like number four on my list.
0: I just followed him on Instagram, so
1: yeah, it's it's well worth a follow. This dude's hilarious and um You know, again, he's a vet, so uh, it's even better. Thank you. Awesome.
0: This episode, our good buddy Clint Casper is back on the show, and we are going to discuss, um, which I believe is pretty relevant for the time of year, late season hunting. Because right now, if you haven't killed the deer you're after, or you're having a slow season, or whatever it may be, we're all working class people, we don't have... Eric's raising his hand right now. Me, Uh, me. I'm kind of in the boat, too. I was fortunate enough to put a nice buck down. But, um, you know, small properties make it tough to hunt late season, especially after firearm season hits and all this. So we asked Clint to do a late season episode where we're going to talk to him about what he does to hunt late season. Um, Maybe he'll have some different ideas, tips, and tactics to kind of motivate you to really finish strong in the last few weeks of bow season. For some people, it's already over. Right. Um, But here in the Midwest, it's – Tuckers out into look at, mid look at January. Ross. January
4: 10th, you know he. The last day.
1: I, I I talked to him about a week ago, and he was saying he's like, you know, it's just been.
0: Well, he was like, he was hustling through like yeah. negative fifteen degree weather, man.
1: He was, and he I remember he was like, man, I just want to shoot a doe. He's like, I can't even shoot a doe right now, and then I'm just scrolling through Instagram, and I see that I'm like, yeah, man, you know, and I remember how cold it was, and it was frigid. So.
0: Yeah, I mean.
1: You know, if you can stake it out, don't let the temperature affect you. You know,
0: our good buddy Dana Pace talked to him last night. Um, he'll be on into January for a full blown detailed shed hunting episode. This dude's the man. He prefers late season mm-hmm. hunting over any yep. other time of year. He's like, dude, deer are hitting the ground. He's like, look in Iowa. He's like, don't look at Eric, but look at everybody else in <laughs> Iowa.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what else is hitting the ground in Iowa? Sheds. I've, yep, I've been I've seen, seeing that. I
4: seen like three or four people post that they found one already. Yeah, I,
0: I ignore those. I act like I don't see them until about.
4: Uh, I could see it though with how the crazy the weather was this year. I don't know, yeah, I don't know. it's it was debating. really
1: hot then, really cold. Who knows? We'll uh, warm back that's up. a
0: topic for a later episode here. This uh, in January. God, for I feel like Dana. it's January already. For Dana, I'm sure you no, would know. Not even January yet. It's still know. December. This, this is crazy. All right. Let's get Clint on. I want to dig into his brain. He's on the same level as us. That dude's energetic and uh he is a working class bow hunter. So we'll get him yeah. on and we'll get to talking. Hope you guys enjoy it.
1: All right, on the phone with us, uh right now we have the self proclaimed Ohio cowboy or cowboy of Ohio, depends on what he uh which version he's telling you. Clint Casper, what's going on?
2: How are we doing, fellas?
0: Oh, yeehaw. N- another day in the Midwest here. <laughs> yep.
2: That's what I'm saying. Another day, another dollar, another beer drink. Right, fellas?
0: That's right. Yeah, another darn, four darn beers drink. Yeah. Clint, we're going to talk about late season hunting, but i got to ask you, have you even been out after killing yeah. your 190 this year? Or are you just kind of like sitting at yeah. home drinking beer every day, laughing at everyone getting frustrated? Listen to the Working Class Bowhunter podcast, too.
2: Well, in, in a short story, um... I've actually been pretty busy. i've been uh changing diapers um filling up bottles um I've been looking at uh any pigs to buy for my fiance for birthday slash christmas present um Guinea pigs <laughs> well uh, uh mini mini with an m m i n i yeah mini pigs they you know <laughs> they grow to be about uh twenty to thirty pounds and they cost a lot of money. Pretty much, I could buy a uh, Utah mule deer tag and and or a uh, Colorado mule deer tag with the price of what this mini pig would cost. But that's besides the point. Um, oh no! <laughs>
0: Does buyer like you a know, Russian really,
2: boar? Yeah. Well, I'm not, actually I, I I shot a boar down in southern Ohio with my bow. I think I was like twelve. I had a uh, a Parker. I had a Parker Hunter Meg, and it was maxed out at, uh, it was uh, 60 pounds, I had it maxed out at like 62 pounds, and was shooting big giant 125 or 135 grain um, Rocky Mountain Assassin broadheads for all you old school guys, <laughs> and... Uh, it was actually a pretty fun hunt, spot stock, uh, down on a farmer's ground in southern Ohio. They, they have a hog problem down there, but... I, I didn't anyway, have no yeah, idea. Um, I'm actually, uh, I had a couple buddies come in from Pennsylvania and some different places that I'm friends with. I always come in every year and hunt, and I got them on some good deer. We killed a 156-inch nine-point. We killed a 142-inch eight, and uh, so I was you know, I had some time to kind of do some extra prepping for them, and um, it was a pretty long rut. I'm used to hunting daylight till dark for many, many days on end, so that was kind of pretty crazy that I didn't get to do that this year, but Pennsylvania's bow season opens back up. Uh, My lovely fiance bought me a Pennsylvania buck tag archery, um, archery tag for my birthday, so... So that comes back in here the day after christmas so i get getting ready to go hunt some public and some private ground over there um hopes are pretty high i got some i've I hunted there before and killed a couple of nice bucks so i kind of got a pretty good idea of what i'm doing but uh yeah realistically i've been a professional diaper changer bottle filler upper <laughs> and uh i a, a hog farmer so that's, that's pretty much what i've done here recently um Chopping up the bit to throw the stick gear on and grab a, my Matthews Halon and head to the woods, that's for sure.
0: Nice. Well, man, less got to be good. 190 Yeah. a fiance that buys you deer tags, a pig, and a baby know.
4: that supports our podcast. Yeah, uses our koozies and stickers. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I mean, well, you know. Now that I've got Eva and Tiffany to kinda of calm down a little bit, I mean life's not too
1: bad. Oh yeah, thank you for that. They've been blowing up my phone now.
2: <laughs> well, I am glad they're blowing up you and not me, brother.
1: <laughs> you got you got sounds like you got uh got your hands full. Uh where like how far of a drive is that from Ohio to uh to Pennsylvania? Is that is that a long drive for you? Do you got you know, place to no. stay or-
2: I live in uh, I live in Carroll County, Ohio, and I hunt a lot I do most of my PA hunting in Mercer County. It's about an hour and forty five minute drive. The only thing that sucks about hunting over there is you can't hunt Sundays. Um, oh man, I forgot about PA. that.
0: I always forget right. about the Eastern states. Some of them are weird with the
1: Sunday oh, yeah. thing. Is it because Very... you're supposed to be praying to Jesus or what? Like, why is that? I don't get that.
2: Well. There... They're very liberal. Um you've got a lot of Amish there and just the whole Sunday hunting thing, I mean, they just they just don't think that's a good idea. So, I mean, that's just kind of how they roll. I mean, I've asked I've asked a couple, asked a couple of game wardens if that'll ever change and honestly, they've flat out told me they don't think it ever will. I mean, it's just wow. kind of just kind of how they how they do stuff. I mean, you know, they're pretty set in their ways very conservative type of state so you know sunday the day of rest they they just don't feel like hunting needs to be done on sunday i mean i totally disagree i mean but you know i'm i'm a rebel they say so whatever
4: (laughs) (laughs) it is what it is though you can't change it
0: we we've talked about that on the on the podcast quite a few times now and probably the majority of one or two episodes and I disagree with it, but like you said, it's whatever. It's that's, I guess if the majority of the people in Pennsylvania think no hunting on Sunday, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't live there. Absolutely. I don't have to deal with it. So, whatever. Absolutely. Loss. Um, Clint, let's talk about hunting late season. You know, you said you're getting ready to go out. You got high hopes. Um, for me, I, my my hunting ground changed this year, and I never had like food available to me to hunt late season. So. It was always t- typically slow for me late season and not very motivating, pretty discouraging, like all the deer on the neighbors because that's where the, the corn is, and all I have is solid timber, you know, some here and there, but I've never seen, like, consistently uh, had deer movement in my area from what I grew up hunting. Um, you'll talk to some guys, well, the food, obviously they've been close to the food, but can you go into detail what you look for and some tactics that you like to run through, or just some flat out anything you can give our listeners to better their success this late season?
2: Absolutely. Well, I'm going to start out. I'm going to start out kind of on a different twist with this because um, I think a lot of people go from early season and then they transition into the rut. Which is fine, and then you transition in the gun season, which is fine, and then you go back to bow hunting. It's kind of like, uh-oh, and I uh-oh. equate that to two different things. Number one, um, you need to change equipment, and by that, I'm talking you better check your bow over and make sure everything's silent, whether it's putting some lip balm on your rest, putting moleskin on it so when you draw your bow back, the arrow doesn't make a squeak, um, putting some non-scented oil on your cams so they don't, uh, squeak or or make a noise. Um, your tree stands, that's a big thing. Uh, anybody that follows me, I'm just going to say it right now. I do not work for lone wolf. They don't send me money. um, I'm good friends with those guys. Do I love their stuff? Absolutely. Do I get a little bit of a discount? I'll just be honest, I do. But for everybody out there listening, it's not no 40, 50, 60%. I'm a firm believer in late season, you better have the best stand money can buy. Because if your tree stand makes a noise and squeaks, When you're trying to move around to get a shot, it's over. Same thing with your bow, your clothing. So that's number one for me is as a hunter, you've got to transition into you're hunting a deer that's hunted early bow season. He's been hunted in the rut. He's been hunted in the gun season, the muzzleloader season. He might have been pushed around during an early doe season like Ohio has you're hunting a buck now, or even a mature doe, whatever you're after, that's been through four or five seasons in the last couple months, they're educated. They're not going to give you that second chance. You've got to go over your equipment. And that's number one before the hunt even starts. I'm looking at my equipment. What's noisy? What do I need to fix? Um, Are my tree scans... Are they ready to go? Do I need to put some vegetable oil? Or I'm a big fan of the dead-down wind oil uh, where where your bolts connect from your cables to your platform, your stand, your stand seats. um, If you're using a climber, I mean, there's a million things that, you know.
0: I didn't know dead-down wind made an oil. I didn't know that either.
2: Yes, they do. They make an actual oil. It's, It's made for tree stands gun bow um it's an oil slash lubricant um i've been using it for a couple years very big fan of it um
0: i'm gonna write that down right now
2: yes i'll tell you right now i'm there again i have no connection with dead down wind for everybody out there i'm not trying to sell a product i have no connection with them i'm just a firm believer in their stuff i like their products and that Non-scented oil is a very good item to have, especially for a late-season
0: hunter. That's a great tip. I, uh, yeah. Th- that whole gear thing, I wasn't even thinking about taking this episode that way, that way but holy crap, like, that a, is...
4: Something you need to think about, absolutely. Yeah, what's
1: the... Uh, now, <clears throat> here's like, you know, for if you're going to oil up, you know, a, a, lot of your, um, a lot of your products, I mean, do you oil them up and let them sit for a day or two? Because I, I remember there was this one time, and... I don't know if you've ever had any problems with this. Um, it was where I was working. They came and the locksmiths oiled up, uh, like, change out the locks, and they put oil in the locks. Well, when we came up um, to, like, you know, try and unlock the building, we couldn't get in because that oil had, had froze. I don't know if they've got a, a, you know, if they figured it out or it depends. Maybe it was just because it was a freakishly cold polar vortex. I don't know if you've ever had any problems with that. Um, but that's like one thing that I would just be a little concerned about if you've ever had any issues with that.
2: Yeah, I can see where that would be a problem. I personally, if if I oil um, like stands and stuff, I don't worry too much about because they're outside all the time, so they don't go from hot weather to cold weather. But like your bow, it might go from the basement of your house or your truck into 10-degree weather, vice versa. I like to do that a day or so in advance, let it soak in, you know, let it kind of get acclimated, and then that way it's not a total shock from hot to cold, cold to hot, whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That, that would kind of be my my route on that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess kind of, you know, for me, um, I'll be the first to say my bow personally goes, I mean— even like this year, before I started deer hunting here in Ohio, I hunted nine days by myself in Colorado. When I do it yourself, the old deer hunt on public ground. My bow took an absolute beating. I mean, absolute beating. And then your bow season starts, and then you put it down, and then you grab your gun, and you kind of forget about your bow, and then you grab your bow again. Please, for all you listeners out there, Shoot your bow after the gun season. Who knows if you bumped it, pulled it up or letting it down out of a stand. You know, I mean, it could have bounced around in your truck. I mean, shoot that bow. Make sure it's on. Listen to see if you got some squeaks or, you know, it might be as simple as putting some chapstick on your arrow rest on your drop away that keeps it from making a, a, a noise and we draw it back. I mean, something as little as that. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but on a January 3rd day when it's minus 5 with no wind and it's dead calm and you got a monster at 20 yards and it makes that little squeak, trust me, he will pick that up, and you're probably not going to get a second chance. So that's kind of where I'm starting this whole episode on the podcast is, you know, check your equipment. I mean, that's number one. Because if you draw that bow back and you make a squeak or hit, you know or something makes a noise on that bow that's not bolted down right or, or needs a little bit of oil or whatever it might be, I mean you're totally putting yourself in harm's way, and that's just Great something tip. that you know within five minutes you can you can take your bow and what I do is I hold it up in one hand and I take my other hand and I. I mean, you don't want to punch it hard, but tap with your other fist or, or or easily punch your riser. And if something's loose, you're going to hear it. I mean, do it inside your house where it's nice and quiet. Go in a room by yourself. Hold your bow up with one hand the other hand. Smack your riser with your fist or your palm. If something's loose, you're going to feel a vibration. You're going to hear a noise. Tighten it down. Whatever you got to do, but figure out what is making noise, what's loose, because, like I said, you do not want to draw back on the buck of your dreams on January 3rd of this year and have your bow make a noise, your arrow make a squeak, and he runs off, and that's it. I I mean, honestly, truth be told, I've never had it happen on a big buck, but I did have it happen a few years ago on a big mature doe, And all it was was my quiver mount was loose. And when I drew that bow back, the movement for me drawing the bow made my quiver mount make a noise. And it was loud enough for me to hear and that doe to hear, and she busted me. And I knew right away what it was. And from that point on, I made it a point to once or twice a week. I mean, I do this from start to finish of the season, but especially in late season, test that bow out shoot it make sure you don't have a noise you know tap it with your hand get that stuff tightened down because i mean like i said if if, uh, if a if a deer hears that now at this point in the season 99.9% of the time it's over i right. mean that's it you know they've already went through early bow Muzzleloader, the rut, shotgun. Like I said, they've been through four or five seasons. They know the program. They know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They hear noise now. It's over. It gigs up.
1: Or maybe you got a good one that sticks around through the rough times. You know, not re- not <laughs> not likely, Steve. Not likely.
0: So assume your gear. Your gear. Don't assume. Make sure your gear is in complete take
1: an Allen wrench set up in your bag with you just in case. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, absolutely, a, That's a good idea.
0: Absolutely. So trans going from gear and making sure all that's in working order, which is a great tip after use and abuse for the whole early season in rut going into what to look for from basically from this point on, when you go into September, what, where are you sitting in your stands? Where are your stand locations and what time of day are you hunting? And, uh, Basically, anything else about the actual hunt or topography of where to go on your property?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I put I put here and, and checking your equipment and getting yourself ready. Uh, number one, because that starts before the hunt. Now, okay, that's ready to go. Now we're ready to go hunt. Okay, step number two. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it probably 10 more times before this podcast is over. Scout more than you hunt in late season. I'm, I'm going to repeat that again right now, number two. Second time. Scout more before you hunt in late season. And here's my philosophy on that. We're getting the tally that. going. Absolutely. We're on number two. And here's my philosophy behind that. Okay. You're hunting a buck. Like I said, that's made it through four or five seasons. If you're lucky enough for him to still be on your property, the last thing you want to do is go blowing into the woods where he might be bedded and, quote-unquote, trying to scout him out. Hanging cameras, hanging tree stands, we throwing a shot in the dark. He, he might be here, he might not scratch that thought. Let's not do that. Let's do this. Let's sit in the truck or let's go to the top of a hill and let's watch a food source with the spotting scope binoculars. Let's, if you want to hang some cameras, let's do that on field edges. It's late season. If a big buck figures out he's being hunted, chances are he is going to go completely nocturnal or he's going to move off that farm. For good, so what I like to do is I start from what I call the outside in. I'm gonna I'm gonna glass some fields that I think might hold deer. If I'm gonna run cameras, it's gonna be on field edges. But let's let's say you don't like to glass. Let's say you don't run cameras. Walk some fields and see where the crops are now. I'm going to be the first to tell you this because I'm a a grain farmer. My dad and I farm about 1,400 acres here in Ohio. Combines and corn pickers up up today are not a deer hunter's friend. And here's why. They don't leave behind very many beans and corn. And they shouldn't. Because I'll be the first to tell you. If I'm buying a $300 Case IH combine. John Deere. John
0: Deere. John Deere.
2: Well, hey. John Deere, Case, Cat, whatever, we use them all, and it's leaving behind a bunch of crops. I'm going to be pissed flat out, just telling you that right now. I'm going to raise holy hell with someone. So the days of following a combine and finding (laughs) big spots where they have dropped a bunch of corn and beans, It's hard to find nowadays. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I'm a farmer, I'm a grain farmer, and I'm a deer hunter. I'm going to tell you right now, when I was younger, I used to follow my dad around, and there would be spots in fields that that combine would just not be working as good as it should, and you'd have a bunch of crops on the ground. And you better be hunting right there, because that was where deer were going to be. Nowadays, that's few and far between. So, what I'm going to say is... I like to glass, I like to run cameras, but I like to do it, like I said, from the inside out. I want to figure out what deer are doing with a very low-profile approach. I don't want to tip anybody off, I don't want to let anybody deer-wise know what I'm doing. Not does, not fawns, certainly not big bucks. Usually evenings produce a lot more in late season than mornings, um... I personally love to hunt mornings, but I'll be honest, late season, I don't hunt a lot of mornings. Now, I hunt a lot of crop fields. Um, A lot of the ground I hunt is big timber with crop fields around it. It's very hard to beat a buck back to his bed, so I do not hunt mornings very often because the probability of me catching a buck Before he goes back to bed, getting in between the food source and bedding area and not spooking him is very, very slim. I'm going to take my chances, and I'm going to hunt late season, in the evening, preferably the last two hours. Probably that deer is not going to show until the last half an hour, but that's okay. Because, like I said, at at this point, it's a low-impact, low-profile type of hunt, and that's what I want.
0: Quick quick, quick questions um, when you say you're going to avoid morning hunts. I feel like that, this is not really a question. It's more of a point. And then I want you to keep going. I I don't want to cut you off. I feel like that's hard for a lot of hunters to grasp is like, well, you know, I'm not going to hunt in the mornings. Well, what am I going to do on the weekends? I can go hunt. I'm off work. But I guess a lot lot of people don't realize you're actually could do a lot more harm to your late season hunting than than any good.
2: Absolutely. And to touch on that, the problem with. Early, or the problem with late season, early morning is, in my opinion, unless you have the absolute perfect backdoor entrance into a bedding area that you can enter without tipping off a buck that's feeding, what you're doing is tipping him off that you're hunting him. So when you do hunt him in the evening... You've already alarmed him that something is going on. And in my opinion, the evening time is going to hold a higher probability of killing that buck because he's laid there all morning, all midday, all afternoon. Let's say the temperature's dropped, the barometer's up, you got got a, a, a great moon. I mean, the, everything is in your favor that that deer should move early. But if you hunted him that morning and he winged you or he thought maybe something was going on, he's already on high alert. That buck is not going to move in daylight that night. I'll, I mean, I will guarantee it because he's already been through, like I said, both scenes—an early loader, muzzle loader, shot. I mean, that, that deer's already seen it all. He's heard it all. He's seen it all. You cannot let him know what's going on. And and the minute that you give away that that surprise effect, in my opinion, you're really cutting your odds, I'm going to say, way more than just in half. I mean, I'm going to say you're cutting your odds down to maybe a quarter at best of killing that deer.
0: That's a great tip, Ben. I think that's a highly overlooked thing that people just don't – if you don't know, I mean, you don't know. Um and it even, takes people like you to tell people that and, and educate them.
4: Yeah, and even like this time of the year around here, we got a lot of snow on the ground, so that you can't really sneak yep. around like you used to when there wasn't snow on the ground.
2: Yep, absolutely. And I mean, and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on something that a friend of mine, who a lot of guys will know, that I met years ago, and I've learned a lot from uh, Bill Winky. Midwest White Tails. they got the blog, they got the podcast, they got all kinds of stuff going on there. Um, he writes in Peterson's Bow Hunting, who I'm working on the articles for that we already talked about last podcast. Um, I've learned a lot from him and entry and exit routes in late season. I'm going to talk about that Very real cool. quick. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to talk about that real quick because You know, you cannot walk across the bean field that you're hunting after dark and blow all your deer out and expect to go in there the next night and your bucks show up. I mean, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, that's silly. Who would think that? But trust me, there's a lot of guys out there that will do that and they just don't know or they don't realize what that's doing, but... You know, when you put that kind of pressure on a deer and you just appear out of nowhere and come walking out of a woods across the field that he's in, I mean, you're blowing him out of the field, you're blowing the doves out of the field, you're blowing the yearlings out of the field. That puts that whole woods on high alert. Now, the next day, when that buck's getting up out of his bed and thinking about heading to that field, let's say he does... You know, let's say he does want to go to that field before daylight. Or, or, or before it's dark, sorry. Um, don't think he's not going to remember what just happened the day before. Of, now, wait a second. I was out here feeding, and all of a sudden this object went walking across a field with its light on and a backpack on his shoulders and a bow in hand. I mean, you know, you've got to think in terms of, You are now hunting the smartest deer you're going to hunt all year because they've already been hunted for a couple months. And in my opinion, if you're a late-season hunter, you've got to have that mindset. Okay, I'm hunting an animal that's already been hunted for a couple months. If I was that animal, how would I think, what would I do? And you've almost got to react on that type of mindset Because, you know, in early season, on the first weekend, if you go walk across the field and you bump some does off, chances are, if if they haven't been pressured all summer, they won't even blow. They're just going to run off.
3: Right. So and
2: Yeah. You know, in 10 minutes later, they're going to come back. No big deal. But now, you're hunting an animal that might have been shot at. It might have been wounded. It might have been in the middle of five deer drives. It might have had dogs chasing throughout the fall, coyotes. Who knows? I mean, right. you know, I mean, you've got poachers, you got guys on four wheelers. I mean, there's all kinds of activities in the fall and winter that these deer get pressured by, and they don't distinguish what's real pressure and what's not pressure. So, say a nature walker goes walking through the woods on November 30th and blows all your deer out of the woods. And then you come in and go walking through it, scouting on December 3rd, that buck or those does or whatever, they don't know who's farm and who's not. All they know is somebody that wasn't supposed to be there came through their bedding area or walked through their feed source and blew them out of there. And that's danger. I mean, that's how they look at it. Right. I mean, and, and so- there's,
1: yeah, there's a very simple fix to that, though. I mean, I think, I mean, all you got to do is just buy a couple thousand acres and you're good to go. <laughs> Not well, so simple, it's, it's, Steve.
4: But I think it's safe to say, too, I mean, 95% of the time, the deer will see you before you see them.
0: For sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just that's
4: what Absolutely. your ex- exit and entry you're talking about. Well, Clint, I wonder about that.
0: You brought up two things. that. So question one of two. And uh, so I'm kind of, like, forgetting because I was, like, trying to think. One, okay, entry and exit. So you say that's the most important thing, completely understandable what you're hunting, the smartest deer you'll hunt ever. Right, right. right. So what are the two prime examples for an entry and exit route? Um, you know, going in the afternoon, you say you're skipping mornings like you should. Um, so say you're going in to hunt in the afternoon and then exiting in the dark. What would be ideal entry and exit strategies in your opinion?
2: I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna throw you a a classic scenario, and then I'm gonna throw you a curveball. I'm gonna start actually with the curveball. I'm gonna give you a morning hunt that I was successful on. I'm gonna give you the entry and exit, and I'm gonna tell you why this morning hunt was a one out of a hundred, but it worked. And this is earlier. I stated. 99 out of 100 times morning hunts are hard to do, especially in agricultural country. I'm going to give you an example of how it did work because of an an entry and exit. About seven or eight years ago, I'm going to make this short and sweet. I was hunting uh, an, an older buck, had three years of history with him. He lived in a creek bottom that, At the west end, fed into a a, a big farm that always cut crops early. The east end, which was um, up the valley from this farm, was a smaller farm that the farmer had a hard time getting crops off because he did not have a combine, he had a corn picker. So basically, cold, wet weather, muddy pretty much shut him down because a corn picker, obviously, is being pulled by a tractor with a wagon behind it. Quote, unquote, it just makes everything way more difficult if the ground isn't frozen. So, this buck was feeding in a 10-acre patch of corn funneling down a valley about a half mile into this creek bottom where he bedded. I had access for an entry route on the opposite end of the farm I would come in from the west, walk down the creek so my scent was covered because I was walking in the water, actually. I was wearing, <laughs> funny story, I was actually wearing uh, hip waders to get into the stand. <laughs> walking down a creek, my stand was right on the edge of the creek where he would come down and get a drink of water and cross and go up to bed. I killed that buck. At first daylight on the third morning I ever hunted him because it was taking him too long in the evenings to get to me. I was able to watch him, and he never was able to get to me before it was dark. So I started hunting him in the morning with the thought of, okay, if I can catch him messing around down at this creek with a good entry and exit right down that creek bottom, no way he was going to cut my scent on my on my my track because I was walking literally in a foot of water. So that's an example of how a morning hunt could work for for somebody is if you have a good back door entry and exit route and you're not going to tip that deer off. You know, there's a scenario that works out perfect. Now, I'm also going to tell you I'm 28 years old. I'm bow hunting for since I was uh, 10, so you're talking 18 years. That is the only buck in late season I have ever had any type of success hunting because it was a perfect scenario. Now, now, for everybody else out there, I'm going to give you the other 99% of people. Here's the other scenario. Entry and exit. We're going to hunt in the evening. We got a book coming to a standing bean field. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's nothing better than standing beans right now in Ohio. I've got a three acre standing bean field, and I got a two acre standing bean field. And on any night, if one of you guys go and sit in one of those bean fields, you'll see at least 20 deer. I'll Almost be out. Yeah, we're field. we're available. We're on our way. I'll like,
4: be yeah, out here out after we After this podcast, so
0: <laughs> next Saturday work for you, Clint. We'll be we'll be, uh, we'll I'll be there. Be there.
2: You guys bring a keg. I'll sit and drink beer, and I'll wait for you guys to shoot deer, and we'll drag them out. We all, all said right, that at the guys, same
0: time, like, we yeah, did. we're there, homie. We, we all thought it. that. I like it. We will. We will have to do that sometime. Uh, well, yeah, I, hopefully I, next I, Saturday.
2: I guess, I, I guess we're going to have a party then.
0: Let's do it. We'll <laughs> podcast.
2: Okay, absolutely. We'll do it live right in the bean field. But <laughs> We could uh, do that,
0: man. We have the equipment to pull that off. You know, I
4: got, I got a table uh, and chairs we can set up out there. Yeah.
1: I, I do want to ask uh,
0: real I wanna, quick. I want to you know, keep them rolling. Yeah,
1: uh, you're talking about standing crop. Um, do you guys keep a lot of crops standing in Ohio? Because when we went up to Wisconsin last week, we saw a ton of I know of there was. a snow
0: fence. Huh? It was snow f- no, snow there was snow
1: fence. No, there was full fields. No, there was Still full fields, when we were coming back. There was full fields yeah. of standing corn. I don't know if that's just because, you know, where we're at, it's a very – Agricultural area. I, you know, I don't know. Do you I guys want him
0: to finish? He was on like hitting yeah. a solid point, though. I but I had to derail it. At I some know point. you did. I know you, know. you did. I, I wanted the the perfect scenario, like picture perfect thing, where you were going, Clint. Because I just want. Well, I don't want to sidetrack the listeners right now because I feel like that's where they were going. We got to
1: keep them waiting. We should hit them with a sponsor while they wait. <laughs> we should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: perfect. Perfect scenario is. Uh, both these bean fields, what I've done is I've got them set up where I can enter these fields and exit these fields with field edges and with fence rows to block my cover going to and from. So basically, when deer are in this field, once they feed past me or 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 they feed out away from me and I can sneak away, I've got cover to get out without them knowing what's going on. So my entry and exit is very important to these bean fields. The one bean field I've got a creek that I drop down in, and once again I'm using water to cover my scent, keep my track undetected, and I'm dropping down in a a ditch to where they can't see me even if they want to see me. The other field, what I've done is I've got, um, I actually planted 10, 10 rows of standing corn along the edge. And what that does is that provides a barrier for me to get out of that tree with, with that standing corner on the edge, and they cannot see what I'm doing. Now, for the guy that cannot do that, and the guy that might be hunting just timber, you might have to stay in a tree a half hour after dark and let deer feed by you after shooting light. I mean, that's just something you might have to do. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and in a perfect world, um, you can plant corn or you can plant big, tall switch brome grass or you can drop down in a creek like I'm doing on a couple spots. Let's say you're just hunting a big block of timber and you got, you you know, you're hunting, a, let's say you're hunting a transition zone to a neighboring property that's got up with crops. I'm going to tell you right now, the worst thing you can do is right at dark, jump out of that tree if you got deer close by. I mean, you're going to have to be disciplined enough to let those deer walk by and sit there and stick it out. Because if they see you get out and you spook them, like I said, we're going to go back to, they've been through four or five, different seasons i mean they know what's going on you know Mm -hmm. they're not you're not going to get away with that and you know there again that's where the entry and exit is so important i mean you cannot let these deer know they're being hunted or you are cutting your chances dramatically i mean you know um it's already bad enough that they've been hunted by other people, maybe chased by a coyote or a dog, they've already been shot at or maybe been wounded. Now they're watching you crawl out of a tree stand or they're watching you walk down a log road. I mean
0: Right. Well that, that makes know, complete you're, you're, sense. You're... That that probably besides equipment is number one.
4: Oh yeah. If you got oh, deer, yeah if you got yeah. I mean that's any time of the year too. If you got deer around you, wait it out. Wait till they especially I mean, it, late in season like that right, like but you know it's, it's kind of terrible you know, sometimes you know, but you got to do it
1: um yep i just if we could could transition um back to when we were talking about equipment things um something we didn't hit on is uh is what like clothing that you wear out there i mean obviously you're going to be sitting you know in, in frigid temperatures and you know, you don't want something that's going to be like poofy and stuff. Like, you know, you don't want to be wearing an Edmonton dinner jacket, you know? You You're You want to dude. I'm I'm just saying, Clint, what do you do you wear poofier clothes or do you just layer up? Poofier.
0: Do you wear Ugg boots, Clint, when you go I mean, to the tree stand you know, or d- just d- what else do you like cuz I just oh, want to know I what fits know. good? Do you go to
2: Charming I Charlie's mean, and gonna... buy a jacket? I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through my, my outfit. Um, first and foremost, I'm gonna wear Danielle's fuzzy reindeer socks. There you um, go. They provide <laughs>
4: those are warm. You know, they pro- are warm.
2: Yeah, well, you know they're they're comfy. They provide me. Um, for those of you who don't know, Danielle's my fiance. Uh, they provide me um, with uh, that fuzzy type of festival um, atmosphere <laughs> around my feet. Um, next. I'm going to wear preferably a dark-colored G-string. I want it to blend in. I don't want it That's to right. stand out through my hunting clothes. I'm talking dark blue, black, That's gray, something. Right.
0: That's right. You know, um, <laughs> preach, brother, you know, preach. You
2: know, Right, well, absolutely. You know, I mean you don't want to wear something too baggy. I mean you don't want to wear granny panties because I mean something it can get all balled up and then you're just uncomfortable. You gotta so, have a fart get loose, it, not
0: yeah, good. you wanna be
1: able to move. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, be, I just, yeah. just
0: wanna hold I wanna hold this episode real quick. Like Steve, this episode was going right where I wanted. Like he was getting into the hunting tactics too. So like let's go back to um what are you wearing, Clint? I'm just curious. no,
1: Ari, no. uh, Ari, you're are you taking, taking that right you, now. You are taking that way out of proportion. What I was trying to get Steve's to like, is, Clint. I'm just
0: curious. What you have on underneath that? What's going on down there? What's, <laughs> what's happening? What, what's happening?
1: No, because I wanted to uh, let my little secret out. Is uh, alpaca, alpaca wool, just a thin layer of alpaca socks
0: and gold bond
1: Absolutely. all over your Oh, butt. and gold bond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even in negative 13 Whoa. degree temperature, I got to use gold bond. <laughs>
2: Well, I didn't didn't tell you guys Danielle's secret, but, you know, I know the world can hear this. Let's hope she doesn't listen to this podcast, which she probably will. But most of her G-strings are made out of alpaca. So that's why I'm saying I wear those. So, no, honestly. um, So, wait, wait, back to what you were saying. You were
1: saying standing beans and how you like to hunt mornings. Let's get back on track. This went way off the rails. (laughs) <laughs> you're right, Kurt.
0: I'm always <laughs> right, my friend. <laughs> no,
1: I, I I do think but, it's important of what you're gonna wear out there. You know, I know a lot of there's a lot of companies that have like the thermocells, um, boot warmers and things, heated but insoles I, and all heated that. insoles. But I, I I do think that's a really important thing because you know if you're out there, you know, and you're just sitting for hours and hours, you know, there's guys that have it figured out. You know, uh, what works best for them. I'm a-
2: I'm currently um I'm working with Sitka and they have their white tail um their white tail line. I'm actually testing out the fanatic line and that line is all built on keeping body heat in but being breathable enough to where if you do sweat a little bit it's not trapping that and making you cold. So what I've done is with that line if it's very you know, if it's real cold, I'm a big guy on layers. Um I do not want to wear the giant Arctic blizzard jacket that you need to have you know, three different arm sleeves on to be able to shoot your bow, so you don't hit your your bow arms. You know, sleeve on your jacket. I like stuff that is very jet streamed, lightweight. Um, you know, fleece lined, um, maybe berber, whatever on the inside. I like to layer with whatever it might be. I mean, you know. ScentLock makes all kinds of stuff. ScentBlocker, Sitka, Kuyu, I mean, you name it. Every company makes a heavyweight material to retain body heat and extract perspiration, keep you warm. You know, I'm a big fan of layering, wearing some layers and not having the big bulk of just a giant jacket and a giant pair of bibs. And that's mainly because I do not want to mess up a shot because my bowstring hits my puffy jacket. Um, You know, and I'm going to go back to... Once again, with with the gear, I mean, this is all part of the very beginning. I mean, you know, you need to shoot your bow with this stuff on and make sure your string's not going to hit your arm. Make sure your anchor point is not going to be different because now you're wearing a face mask. Make mm-hmm. sure that because you're wearing a jacket that zips up clear to your chin that that that, that your bowstring's not going to hit your zipper when it, whenever you touch your release off. I mean, you right. know, that all goes back to before the hunt check and stuff, but as far as, uh, as getting dressed, I like layers. Um, a lot of my late season hunting, you're talking two and a half hours, two hours or less. I mean, realistically, you know, uh, unless a big front's moving in, I think deer might be moving because of the moon phase or because of what's going on early. You're talking, if it gets dark at 5, 530, you're talking you might have deer start moving at 4. So the last hour, hour and a half is probably when you're going to be seeing deer. I do like to get in, like I said, around that 2, 2 and a half hour mark before dark. But it's not like you're going to be out there for 6 or 7 hours. I mean, you need to keep yourself warm enough for a couple hours to be able to... You know, draw your bow back and make a shot. I mean, hand warmers. Um, I personally, I've been frosted on my toes and my fingers. So you have? You've had
0: legit frostbite?
2: Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I uh, I shot a buck back in uh, the year before I graduated. So two thousand six. I shot. Yeah, I think it was two thousand six. I shot a buck in a in the snow and he, he died in a creek. Long story short, I was soaking wet and getting him up out of that creek, and then it started to snow. And by the time I actually got into my truck, I mean, it was to the point where my fingers were so hot, you know, burning sensation from the frostbite that I thought I was going to, have to go to the hospital. And it ended up that, that you know, it, it wasn't as bad as what I thought, but I definitely... well isn't there two stages
0: isn't there frost nip and then there's frost bite
2: well and and i'm kind of in between the two um i didn't lose circulation to where my fingers don't go numb but they burn so i'm kind of in that between frost nip and frost bite my toes frosted um the boots i had on they were not Meant to be in water, which I was in. They got totally soaked. Then I walked through about a half a foot of snow, dragging this buck out. Long story short, they got frost I mean, so what, I they like black and
0: shit
4: when you got back, like or Mr. Deeds, where he's got the black foot.
2: Um, <laughs> well, they were they were more of like a bluish color. They never got to the point where they were black, but. I'll tell you right now, I wear a silk sock or I wear a liner sock with a very good over sock that's breathable. Um, Under Armour makes some. Um, um, Cabela makes um I mean, there's but lots of different. tenetrek uh, boots, I'm a big fan of them. They make some. Uh, I have to wear double socks from about November on if the temperature gets Man. to about 30. Oh, yeah. If the temperature goes from about 30 degrees or under, i really got to take care of my feet. Um, So, yes.
0: I think one time, well, was it two, three seasons ago, I had cross nip on my left hand and my fingers. Oh, yeah. It was late season. I was going in the afternoon. I was going for a doe just to get some extra meat, just a big old nanny. And I had a bunch of does come in to to my right. And I had like the, I call it the pooch. And I just I call
4: but, it the kangaroo pad yeah, or pouch.
0: It's a thing you buckle around, you throw all your hand warmers in yep, there, yep. and you put yep. your hands in it, and it basically gets your hands sweating. And I don't like to wear gloves when I shoot my bow because I don't practice with gloves on, so I never wear gloves in the stand. And I'll, cause yep. I feel like it will affect the way I hold my bow or the way I hit my release, whatever. So I had some does come in, I reached for my bow, and one caught me. So I froze and it was like blowing really hard and snowing. My left hand, I swear, had frost nip. So I'm panicking, kind of like both my hands were freezing cold. I tried to text my dad, like, let him know, hey, I'm getting down. Like, uh, my hand hurts, like, big time. And by the way, the doughs are long gone. The My phone wouldn't register because my hands were so cold. Ugh. Like, I couldn't. Oh, yeah. it, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. <laughs> so. <laughs> I grab the pull rope for my stand, and I'm pulling up, trying to get it up so I can let my bow down. And I pull the top stick of my tree stand, flips off backwards. Like, it's still hooked yep. to the tree, but it flipped it around where I couldn't get it. So I'm my hand feels like it's about to fall off. I can't text my dad or call anyone. You can't get down. I can't get down. So I got a little sketchy. This is the sketchiest it's ever got for me in, the, in a tree. I full blown strap my backpack on or my bow onto my backpack and bear hug the tree and full blown like
4: like shimmy down shimmy down <laughs> to the
0: next step for probably you know what is it probably six seven feet till the next step that was that was my late season experience of uh, disaster <laughs> when I thought my hand was gonna fall off but it was fine still yeah
2: haven't. that's that that's not good that's not
0: good at all not fun. But it's made of wood now. It's real sturdy.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's the first movie reference I think I've ever heard you say. I,
0: it's the only movie I've ever watched. <laughs> Sorry, Clint. Took you off on the deep end of that story. I
1: can't believe you pulled that reference out. That is fantastic. You're welcome. Uh, Clint left. Made <laughs> <was real> <laughs> he
0: hung up.
2: Absolutely. I liked it.
0: But, man, I mean, key points. Can you... Cover the key points. Number one, equipment.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna say number one, equipment. I'm gonna go with number two. More scouting than hunting. um Like I said, this time of the year, if you go bum rush in, trying to you know pressure a buck into showing himself, or you know you're just quote unquote helping on hunting. And you really don't know what's going on. You're honestly doing more harm than good. I mean, scout, 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 and then hunt later. You know, I'm everybody that knows me and has heard me on the podcast or followed me on social media or is my buddy, whatever. They know I'm a big moon guide guy. I'm gonna tell you right now. If I'm a late season bow hunter on the second, third, fourth, and fifth of January. <laughs> You better be hunting if you have a buck tag in your pocket. And why I say that is because the way that moon phase is, your moon times are going to be between, you know, 10 till 4, and I believe 5.30 on those couple of days. You're going to have bucks on their feet heading towards speed, especially if you've got a weather front moving in or moving out, and your barometer's up. So, you know... I guess what I'm going to say is to people is plan your hunt accordingly. I mean, don't just hunt because I'm off work and I can hunt tonight. The wind's wrong. It's 45 degrees. I've never scouted, but you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go hunt. Honestly, don't do that. Go scout. Go sit on the road with your truck and park off the side of the road and go glass from 1,000 yards of the spotting scope or or. Go hang a few cameras at midday and see what happens. But don't go blundering into that woods or or whatever and and try to just basically get lucky because the chances are in late season, you've got to have your ducks in a row and you better have your equipment up to date. You better have your skills as far as your scouting and, and your plan of attack up to date Because like I said, I mean, you're hunting the smartest deer of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, these deer are educated. They know what they're going. I'm going to give you a prime example. Real quick, last year, I killed a 172 on the 28th of December. I hunted that buck and one other deer on the same farm from October 23rd till that day. I hunted multiple stands, multiple locations, but I was... Hell-bent in plain words, I'm not leaving that farm. I'm going to hunt on the right winds according to what Tracy and I hunt. I I never got aggressive and hunted the wrong wind, but I bounced around on this farm, and I did not get lucky till December 28th, first day of our two-day gun season. I arrowed my buck last year, and that deer I never saw in daylight the entire year. I had pictures of him on the November 6th. November ninth and November fifteenth, on the edge of a field on the opposite end of the farm, what killed that deer was two acres of standing beans in a secluded area on that farm that I had not pressured one time. That that section of that farm, I hunted three times on days when the wind was right, the moon phase was right, and I thought my chances were high. That buck I killed at three fifty-four. PM He came out with two other bucks and a dough. He was hungry. It was in the middle of a blizzard. The blizzard had broke. I got off work early, took a half a day off, got in there early, and I killed him because he was so hungry. The minute that storm broke, he had to get up and feed. And that's what I'm saying is if you figure out where these bucks and where these deer are feeding. And you can put together a pattern on what they're doing, because right now, late season, their stomachs control what they do. Forget the does, forget breeding, food, water, cover, period. And, and, you know, the water, I'll touch on that real quick. You're going to have creeks freeze up, you're going to have ponds freeze up your best bet might be a stupid little stream that's got flowing water 150 yards off a cornfield that every deer in the area is coming to to drink because there's no other water. But there again, this all goes, you know, this all goes back to... That's a very good point, by the way. You know, well, like I said, this all goes back to doing more scouting and doing more planning than hunting. I mean, you know... If you figure out that, hey, there's three ponds in the area that are all iced over, where are these deer going to drink? Oh, hey, I'm going to go down to this creek and check out what the crossings look like, and lo and behold, you see a million tracks, guess what? You better have a camera there and be figuring out what's going on because those deer have to drink. They have to eat. I mean, that's the two biggest key factors right now, and that's stuff that guys overlook. I mean, everyone talks about... You got to have food. You got to have food. You got to have food. What about water? And what about security cover? I mean, you know, last year, that buck that I that I killed, um, he was standing on a neighboring property in a, in an overgrown multiple row thicket that actually had three pieces of farm machinery that were so overgrown you could barely see Right right off of a guy's yard is where this buck was staying. And I wasn't able to hunt him, and I knew I wasn't able to, but I knew during late season that deer was going to be coming to food, and that was the whole mindset behind leaving those beans stand was bringing that deer off a neighbor onto me in daylight where I could kill him in late season. But there again, I'm going to go back to more scouting than more hunting. I, that's probably the sixth or seventh time I've said it. But I, I'm telling you, I live and die by that in late season. If you pressure those deer and you blow them out, it's over. You've got to start from the outside and work your way in. I live and die by that in December, January, and February.
0: So, I think it's solid tips. And I like how you compared earlier is just think, think of the deer how you would think is absolutely and i always think of that when it comes to <laughs> spooking a deer um well it'd be like okay you're in their living room if some random person walked into your living room how are you going to react you're going to yeah you're going to well we might act a little different but <laughs> get you're going to get the hell out of there for oh, the most yeah, part for sure um yeah i don't know
4: that's kind of what gonna it was down you're going to be freaked out to. about it for a while
0: yeah, and you, know you I mean? might not come back. You, it, you're going to be pressured to do things a little differently. That's basically what it's going to well, boil when, down to.
2: And I, you know, I think a lot of people, um, they have this opinion on big deer that, okay, let's say there's a, there's a thicket on a farm that, It's on top of a knoll, and this fuck can bed there. And he can overlook half the farm, and he can scent check the other half the farm. So basically, between his nose and his vision, he's able to cover this entire farm. Okay, let's say you do go hunt him, and he smells you, and he leaves. Now, a lot of people are going to say, oh, that deer is never going to come back. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to say, no, that deer has found a prime spot to bed on that farm where he's unkillable almost, and he can win you or see you. He's going to continue to come back there. But don't expect that deer to move in daylight because he has learned that's when he will get killed. And I think a lot of people associate... Oh, if you bump a deer out, they're gone forever. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that if you bump a deer right now in late season, all you've done is you have tipped them off to where we are not going to move early. And you know, uh,
0: well, at, if I'm a big, in other words, unkillable it, means gone. Oh yeah, because if he's not going to move in daylight he'll sit at that vantage point where he knows what's going on he's got you until until it gets dark yeah he's got you monitored and locked down you might not even know it but just as far as you know he's gone they
4: they 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 will they will pattern you no matter what oh yeah 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 i
2: mean as far as him moving in daylight absolutely i mean he might bed in the same spot every day but yeah he's got you figured out and 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 that's that deer is just as hard to kill as a deer that moves three counties over because that deer's not going to move in daylight. I mean, he's he's already figured out if I been in this spot, I can see and scent check everything. You know, this is great. Well, that deer is going to go hard. from
0: Mercer County, Illinois, to Mercer County, Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we're
0: in yeah. Mercer, we're in Mercer County, Illinois. Fun fact: I don't know if you knew that, uh, Clint, but. That's why Steve chuckled a bit when he said Mercer County, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well,
2: I'll have to check my tag and see if it's good for Mercer County, or, uh, Illinois, too.
1: Well, oh, I guarantee if you didn't give money to the Illinois government, it ain't.
0: Well, Clint, I'll tell you this. I have a highly pressured 20 acres of timber that, boy, you'll just have a good time seeing a whole lot of nothing. If you want to come on out, you're more than welcome.
1: <laughs> it's the scenic route is what we call it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well... I'll tell you. I'll tell you what we'll do. And I've never shared this secret, you know. But I'm going to share it online. Careful now. Careful here. now. Hey, hey. Uh-oh. hey. Uh-oh. We can, well,
0: we can talk about this after the episode.
2: No, 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 no. I'm going to share it now. What we're going to do is we're going to go to TSC or Rural King or Walmart. We're going to get a big spotlight. We're going to grab a case of beer and a rifle and a pack of sh- and a box of shells. Oh, you want to go to around. Illinois
1: rifle season? Okay,
2: well, <laughs> starts after dark. We're yeah, we're gonna drive around, we're gonna spotlight when one of these big bucks shows up. We're just gonna blind him and shoot him, and we're gonna we're gonna call it a day and say, hey, look at what we've done. I mean, that's you know, and and that's okay too. I mean, yeah. It's, it's That's all right. I mean, no, it's
1: not. It's not okay. By the way, for (laughs) listeners, it is very not all right. It is the opposite of all right.
0: We don't condone that.
2: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you what. um, There are some states that allow. Pennsylvania is one of them. They allow spotlighting, and I tell people all the time. Really? Oh yeah. You're allowed to spotlight from I think it's like dark till eleven o'clock.
1: Oh, but hunting on Sundays terrible. On, hold on, hold
0: on, pause, pause. Good Lord, you can seriously do that in Pennsylvania?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Now, now,
0: whoa. Now, it, in the dark, you can spotlight deer and shoot them with a yes. gun legally. No, no, no,
2: no, no, no. You can't shoot with a gun, but you can
4: spotlight. Iowa, oh. oh, oh, okay, Illinois, okay. oh, you can't. You can't even shine your headlights. Yeah, on them. you can't That's even. That's illegal. You right. can't,
0: Oh, right. Sorry, Clint. I thought you said you could shoot them. I'm like, well, hold, <laughs> no, hold on, no, no, like, heck, time no,
4: time out, no, no. time out, hold on, no,
2: <laughs> no. Before before you guys all head to Pennsylvania with a case of beer and a rifle, you cannot shoot them at night. All you can do is spotlight them. But I tell people all the time, all you're doing is educating, especially late season. That's a terrible idea. Wait, anyway. wait.
1: Are he are he saying that uh, that? Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles fans actually follow the law?
2: Well, I mean. Yeah, okay, yeah,
1: that's what I thought.
2: I mean, I'm an Oakland Raider fan myself, and we're kind of rebel in the NFL. But, I mean, they they might not follow the rules. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to say one way or the other. All I'm going to say is go Cleveland. We're 0-13, 0-14, doesn't matter next year. We probably won't lose the game. I mean, that's just how good we're going to be because we're going to get seventy-eight draft picks. Yeah.
0: So, go, Browns. I almost freaked out on the state of Pennsylvania and uh, drove out there to kick some ass. When I like, I don't even know why. Like, I figured you could net, you couldn't do that anywhere, but I don't know. I'm like, hold on, hold on. What? Does there something I don't know? That's a
1: state where like a five foot four <laughs> boxer came from and won everything. You know that's not real.
0: Well, what, right. Whatever, but. Anyway, and I think there's besides all our buffoonery that we put out, which is always a great time. I I feel like there's a lot to pull from this episode. I think late season is highly overlooked by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, oh, yeah. A lot of it has to do with your setup, your property setup. And, and one, it, no one wants to go hunting when it's negative 15 out. No. And uh, it makes it miserable, um, which one more thing. And then we're going to we're going to get in closing is late season in your opinion the colder the better Ooh.
2: i'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a curveball yeah, and a lot of go. people a lot of people are gonna say um you know especially guys that have listened to to the podcast that you guys have had me on and, and they, gals too
1: to, don't forget them
2: you know yeah well, the guys have kind of, kind of know me on these podcasts and whatnot. Um, late season might be my favorite time to hunt a big deer outside of the first week of season, and that is because the weather and the food are going to dictate what they do. So to answer your question, I'm going to say this. I play the weather front. If it's been minus 14 for three or four days, um, and you've hunted and deer have been hunkered down, it's going to be 21 tomorrow, in plain words, you better bet your ass you better be in a tree because those deer are going to feel that front coming, and they're going to move. Now, let's flip it. It's been 41, 38, 37, and tomorrow it's going to be 19 for a high. Again, that extreme drop—you're going to have pressure up, pressure down. You're going—I mean, you've got deer that are going to be moving, and like I said before, I'm a big moon guy, so I'm following what phase that moon's going to be in, and you know, when that moon, when that moon's got a high transit time in the sky. You know, meaning that the sun's going down and the moon's coming up and they're almost coinciding. Those types of days, I mean, you've got to be in the woods. I mean that that is that is just prime time. But I would rather personally, I would rather hunt cold weather. I think cold weather makes deer move more. Um, I think when a buck beds down at eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, and it's five degrees out, and he sits all day. Come three, four o'clock, he's stiff, he wants to move, he wants to get the blood flowing a little bit, he's hungry. I personally like to hunt snow in cold weather. I think it makes deer move better. In my opinion, it's a harder hunt because it's hard to stay warm, it's hard to stay quiet, but I, I do think deer move better. Um... But, like I said, that, that all goes back to being prepared to hunt late season. you got to be prepared gear-wise, clothing-wise. And I'm going to talk about the mental aspect real quick. You're going to get cold. Your feet's going to hurt. Your fingers are going to be froze. It's going to be hard to draw your bow back. In plain words, it might suck to hunt late season, but... If a 160 walks by and you smoke him at 22 yards, it's going to be the greatest day of your life. And that could happen. Oh, for
1: sure. Yeah, no no doubt.
2: I mean, I'll I'll tell you right now, the day I killed my buck last year, which was the biggest deer I ever killed to date. I mean, you know, you guys know me. I don't get all caught up on score. I don't have stuff officially scored because I just don't care. But... You know, she was a rough-scored 173 typical for all the guys that like that score stuff. That was the biggest deer I'd ever killed, and it was freezing freaking cold. It was miserable. It was windy, but that deer was so hungry, the snow stopped. It let up for an hour, and that deer knew it was time to feed. We've got to get some food in my belly. I'm going to head to those beans, and I smoked him. Because I thought deer would move at that time, because that front was moving through and it was going to give you a little two-hour window of a break, I really thought deer were going to feed and were going to move. And like I said, that, for me, the cold weather, the snow, I think that plays a factor into making deer move sooner than they might even want to move because they're hungry, because they're stiff, because they're cold. Like I said, they sat all day, you know. Right, but. Right.
1: It's funny, you know, these, these deer are so hungry, and their oh, drive for absolutely. hunger ends well, up you know, getting imagine, them ate. Help! It's poetic you know, justice is what it is.
2: Well, you know, it's like this. Imagine if you just chased around five or six different girls at 10 bars from November 1st to December 16th. Yeah, Now I you get it. tell me... You tell me how daggone hungry you're going to be after 47 days or whatever of chasing around girls (laughs) at bars.
1: Oh, Taco Bell's going to run out of horse meat immediately. I was just going to say, hopefully
0: no one's hunting me in the Taco Bell parking lot. (laughs)
2: well, Well. I'm gonna I'm gonna scout you and I'm gonna figure out where you're going and if it's a Taco Bell light pole I'm gonna hang a tree stand and that might just be where I do it. I mean it is what it is. <laughs> imagine, yeah, Think about that,
1: like uh, guys. If you take nothing, uh, guys and gals, if you take nothing else from this episode, just imagine standing beans is a Taco Bell at three thirty on a Saturday night.
2: You got it. You got it. <laughs> Everybody's
1: showing up. Everyone's son. there. Right. Everybody's there.
0: Clint, i'm all over it i gotta thank you again man for coming on the podcast you are high energy the whole episode oh and you're full of it, full of information we absolutely love it and our listeners love it and uh i, I i'm assuming there's going to be some questions yep. that arise out of our listeners on this episode and i will for sure shoot them your way so feel free send us your questions get clint on instagram which yep. what, what's your instagram tag
2: Instagram, Casper Clint, Facebook, type in Clint Casper. I just got back on the Facebook world about a month ago, a month and a half ago, so go ahead and hit me up there. Um, I I, I refuse to do the uh, the tweeting and the Twitter, so don't even bother looking me up there. I just can't get myself to do it. Um, No offense to anybody that has it, but I I just... The whole tweeting thing. Um, it sucks. And, uh, yeah, it's so terrible. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I yeah. almost added your fiancé as a friend on Facebook, but I don't feel like breaking up homes. But uh, I'm glad we can find <laughs> well, you there.
2: Uh, well, I mean, it is, it is what it is. I mean, hey, I'll be honest. If I was her, I wouldn't leave me for you. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there.
0: That or you might as well go ahead. Yeah, add her, Steve, because she'll realize what she's got, and she'll hold on to me even right. tighter. <laughs> right. <laughs> But the thing is, uh, you're so entertaining, man. I love it. And for all our listeners, we got a project in the works. I'm not going to get into details. Mm. Clint's involved, but you'll see it eventually. Um, you'll be in, seeing in, more of Clint. Let's in, just say that into the new year. Here, um, we got. There's just a whole lot. We got. We got a lot of a lot of things in the fire. We're trying to work through it all. We got to get through the holidays first. Mm-hmm. It's overwhelming. Um, Steve, Eric, you guys. You guys got anything to add?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's made of wood. It's real
0: sturdy. Okay, right, Eric? Nothing. Um, This is the last episode before Christmas, so Merry Christmas, everyone. Spend time with your family. If you got to take a day off hunting, you got to take a day off. You know what I mean? Yeah, make sure you uh,
1: glass first and then go hunt.
0: um, Other than that, take what you've learned from Clint this episode and apply it to your late-season hunting, and hopefully there's success for all of you. Send us pictures, man. We're going to grind out the last few weeks of the season. If your season's over already... By golly, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you.
4: Just listen to podcasts. Just listen
0: to the podcast. We'll get you you to you next season. Clint, anything you want to add real quick, bud?
2: All I'm going to say is for all the late season guys out there, hunt safe, hunt smart, scout more than you hunt. I'm going to repeat that for probably the eighth or ninth time, I think. Scout more than you hunt. You'll thank me later. Send us in. Your photos, whether it's of a big buck, a big rub, or your old lady, whatever. We'll take them all. We don't care.
3: (laughs) I love it. I
2: love
1: it.
3: I love it.
2: Merry Christmas, everybody. Go shoot your bow. Follow these fellas. Working class bow hunter. We got big things coming the first of the year. Everybody get ready. We're taking the world over. Trump Nation, hashtag it. That's where I'm at. MAGA.
1: Hashtag MAGA. I think
0: I'm going to close it right there. We love you guys. That's it. Later.